It was late one afternoon, and I was trying to finish a book I was reading for the summer, and my mom interrupted. Then a couple minutes later, she asked me about the internet. A few more minutes later, she asked me about my credit card if it came in the mail yet, and I was annoyed. Uh, A few more minutes later, I got a text from my friend that we couldn't meet up for dinner, and in my anger and frustration, I, I, I didn't know what to do. And so when my mom asked if I could throw away the trash, I yelled at my mom, saying, Mom, can you stop bothering me? It's my last summer. I just want to relax. And mom yelled back, and I knew at that moment she was hurt. She just wanted to spend time with me, yet my heart was set on my own comforts and desires. And to my shame... My words have hurt my mom. And and just replaying that one sentence, can you stop bothering me as my mom's function is is supposed to serve me or to serve my comfort, that's the power and destruction that my words had against my mom. And I wonder how many of you struggle with saying these destructive words. How many of you know the power of these words in all situations, such as between me and my mom? And today's text in James, uh, he addresses this issue about the use of our tongues. Um, And in chapter 1, we see that James is writing to Jewish Christians who are experiencing lots of trials. Uh, In chapter 2, we see that uh, he addresses genuine faith and how it should be evidenced by works. And here in chapter 3, James addresses the power of our words and how God intends us to use our words to please Him. And pleasing God is to obey Him, whereas displeasing God is to sin against Him. So would you turn with me to James chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. In the Pew Bible, it is page 1012. And as I read the Word of God today, may we worship Him in listening to His Word. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers. For you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large, they are driven by strong winds. They are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? 
Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. This is the word of God. And the first main point we can see in verses 1 to 5, that God intends us, um, because God intends us to please Him with our words, Christians need to know the power of the tongue. So main point number one is, because God intends us to please Him with our words, Christians need to know the power of the tongue. Look at verse 1 with me. Um, it begins with, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for, for or because you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And I'm not sure what that judging will particularly look like, uh, but it seems that James is warning the church to be careful in appointing people uh, to teach, to be teachers. Um, and I, I see that this weightiness to the task, and I'm humble today, uh, to deliver God's word to you from this text, um, as a young man myself, um, to deliver this word. Um, so I see this weight um, of delivering God's word. Uh, Lord have mercy. Uh, the temptation then is to think, oh, this passage does not apply to me because I'm not a teacher. Or maybe you're, you're thinking, oh, I don't seek to be a teacher either, so I don't think this passage really affects me, so you could check out. But no... All of God's word is breathed out by God. It's breathed out by God and it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Uh, So this text is very important to all of us. And how do I know it's important to all of us? Let's read with with me verse 2. For we all stumble in many ways. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. So clearly, you and I both know we all fail, we stumble. And this stumbling is in reference to sinning. It's a metaphor. So James is not talking about stumbling like the way we walk stumbling or with with our words. We're not stuttering or stumbling, um, but it's it's sinning. Um, And we use our mouths to sin against God and to one another. Um, And... Right here, we know this to be true today, do we not? Uh, teachers have a unique power to, uh, in their words to lead the church. Uh, take, for example, a pastor recently uh, by the name of Rob Bell, who he preached the gospel, but now he does not believe in an eternal hell. He has over 152,000 followers on Twitter. Uh, more people probably follow him uh, through other media and his words have a very profound effect on those who listen. So Christian, do you understand the power of the tongue? So in that example, unhealthy teaching leads to sheep that are not being fed biblically. They are, and so they are living lives displeasing to the Lord. Particularly then their tongues and what they believe will be false. And that is actually contrary to God's design. So on the flip side, healthy biblical teaching leads to healthy and strong sheep, which leads to lives pleasing to the Lord. And thanks be to God that uh, here at this church that we hear the gospel preached faithfully every week uh, to strengthen the sheep so that they would live lives pleasing to Him, particularly the tongue. Uh, And once again, we see the power of the tongue in verses 3 to 5. 
um, these verses, it proves or grounds how the tongue is powerful. Uh, look at verse 3 with me, the, the illustration that James uses. The first one being a horse. He, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. So here we see the horse moving in the direction where, the, where you put the food. And then the horse moves in that direction. Uh, same thing with the second illustration. Look at the ships also. They are large. They're driven by strong winds, but yet by a very small rudder. It moves and it's directed by the will of the pilot. And so the point of these two illustrations is to show the power of our words and the tongue. So it's the power. And and verse 5 clearly makes that statement. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. It boasts of great things. So if we refer back to that pastor who does not believe in hell, his words may be few, but they are powerful in leading many people astray to believing things of unbiblical precedence. And that same principle of the tongue is powerful, but yet small, that applies to all of us. So parents, do you realize how powerful your words are in relation to your children? Do you see that your words have a great influence on them? To guide them? So a particular example would be if your kids disobey you, if you shame them and in anger attack them, how do the kids feel? They feel unsafe. So you guys have the power in your words to make them know and speak lovingly to the truth and make them feel safe around you. For those who work, are you a complainer? That speaks powerfully to the God you follow. So without even mentioning the gospel at your workplace, people may not even want to be around you because of your complaining. So it's not even the gospel that is offensive, but the words that you've said about just complaining about the workplace. My brothers and sisters, you need to know the tongue is small but powerful. Not only do Christians need to know the power of the tongue, but Christians, we need to know the destruction of the tongue. And that brings us to main point number two. Because God intends our tongues to be pleasing to Him, Christians, we need to know the destruction of the tongue. And and verse 5 to 9 really hits it on the head where we see... James talking about how a great forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, a world of unrighteousness. It stains the whole body, setting on fire, set on fire by hell. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison that the tongue is used to curse people in the made in the likeness of God. So feel and imagine what James is trying to use with his metaphors. Do you imagine a, a forest full of life of animals and wildlife and yet it's burned by just a small fire and it destroys a forest and so that's the danger and destruction of the tongue a world of unrighteousness and that's the type of words we use it's unrighteous stains the whole body and these words ultimately if you see uh, in verse 6 that 
these words are, are basically the same destruction found in hell, a place of eternal punishment and wrath. That's the same type of destruction in our words. And sadly, you know this to be true when we hurt each other by our words. We scar and burn others. And, and personally, when I'm getting shut down or burned, my sinful, natural want is to hurt them back. It's to burn them back. Here's a taste of your own medicine or a taste of your own po- poison. A deadly poison, as James says. And this cursing of back and forth, back and forth, it begins this war of words with one another. We open up wounds, we hurt one another. That's the danger of the tongue, my brothers and sisters. But God has intended our words to be pleasing to Him. So if man's word destroys and it burns and it hurts, what does God's word do? It heals, it gives life, and it restores. So we we see this striking contrast of man's words and God's word. And we see this from Genesis, clearly that God would create the world by the power of his word, and he brings forth life. We see this in Ezekiel, uh, uh, that dead bones come to life by the power of the word. And in the New Testament, Romans says that faith comes from hearing of the word of Christ. So even the saving faith comes from God's word. It heals, gives life, and it restores But due to the sinfulness of man, the tongue has turned upside down, where we speak death and destruction. Death and destruction. And he's using this uh, language of destruction to, to pick a certain point, and it's supposed to reveal our need for Christ. Look with me in verse 7 to 8. For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But yet, he says, but no human being can tame the tongue. There's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Man is unable to tame the tongue. We look to the zoos and, and we see that we can tame animals easily. But the tongue, our tongues, our very words, we cannot. And so, if you know yourself not to follow after Jesus, we welcome you here. But, but non-Christian... Let me ask you, are are you able to speak the truth all the time? Are you able to control what you say? And let me tell you, it is impossible because of the condition of our hearts. And Matthew 12, uh, Jesus talks about, and he says, and I quote, How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person, out of his good treasure, brings forth good. The evil person, out of his evil treasure, brings forth evil. So the status of the heart will bear good or bad fruit. And if this is true, non-Christian, let me tell you good news. That God is holy, and he's righteous, and he created things by his word to be... You and I are to be in right relationship with God. But in a rebellion... That our unclean lips, it stems from an unclean heart. And that heart is in rejection to God Almighty. And that is sin. And in the midst of this rebellion, God would send Christ Jesus, His only Son, 
to die on the cross for rebels who would turn away from their sin and turn to Him for forgiveness of the sins that they have committed. And Jesus takes on this punishment of sins and three days later rose again. And He calls you to repent and believe, to trust in Christ and Christ alone, to be born again, to have eternal life. And it's by this gospel, this good news, that we have hope. We have hope to speak words that are pleasing to God. It is through a new heart, by the power of the gospel, that we could speak words of encouragement. And so, this verse in in verse 8, spouses, this verse is not to prove your point that, oh, he'll never change. Or my wife will never change in his speech, in her communication. No, that is not the right way we should be thinking. We should be thinking, yes, there is hope. There is hope in the gospel that we could restore the communication with one another. Rather than the hurt, but give life. And church members, I encourage you, if you have hurt and destroyed one another with your words, would you repent and seek reconciliation? Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. So church members, I plead with you. Eat of the good fruit. Eat of the power of the tongue that speaks life. And not only do Christians, do we need to know the destruction of the tongue? But Christians, we need to speak words with consistency. And this is main point number three. That because God intends our tongues to be pleasing to Him, Christians, we need to speak words with consistency. In verse 9, we see, with it, with the tongue, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. And so James, he exhorts us to match our belief in God, to match what we say to others. And there needs to be a consistency. If we follow Jesus, then our words will reflect that. And the illustrations found in verse 11 and 12 just further prove that point. We see a spring pour forth, does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Clearly the answer is no. Can a fig tree bear olives? No. Grapevine produce figs? No. Can a salt pond yield fresh water? And the answer is no. It it just doesn't make sense. So Christians, for you, it, it doesn't make sense to be inconsistent. If we follow after Jesus, then our words will be consistent with our confession. And, and we need to pause here real quick. And it's not merely just using nice words to one another externally. But it's where the source of those words come from, which is the heart. So the question is, where does your heart trust in? Is it in God's word or is it yourself? And again, James is not talking about that one time that you lie He's addressing a pattern, a pattern of destructive words, a pattern of inconsistent words. So be careful 
that we speak Christ-like things that are pleasing to the Lord. And, and Paul Tripp, he, he says, uh, he's a pastor and professor, and he says uh, something about this communication, and this is what he says. He says, that's why we will not solve our communication problems by dealing only with our words, any more than we would solve a problem with a plant's fruit production by dealing only with the fruit. If a plant isn't producing good fruit, there is a problem with the plant system itself, down to its very roots. So in order to please God with our words, we need to have a transformed heart. It comes from the heart. That's the source. So before you try to fix your speech pattern, trying to you know, muster up all this strength, say, trying to say nice words to one another, no, we need to examine our hearts. Because it's out of the abundance of the heart that you will speak. So where is your trust? Is it in the promises of Christ? If not, I would encourage you, meditate on the passage of Scripture. Pray that God will use His Word by the power of your Spirit to change your heart. And just like we read in uh, the Scripture reading today, that your words would be pleasing and acceptable in God's sight. Friends, examine yourselves. And especially as we do the Lord's Supper today, examine how you have used your words to one another. So practically, what does someone who follows after Jesus speak words with consistency? What does that look like? Well, clearly, one example would be our church covenant. It says that and you guys have it in your bulletins today, our church covenant says that we will exercise a Christian care and watchfulness over each other and faithfully warn, rebuke, and admonish one another as the case shall require. My brothers and sisters, those require words. You need to use words. So may we speak words of consistency in warning, rebuking, and admonishing one another because we love one another. Another practical way of what it looks like to speak words with consistency. Um, as you meet with one another, ask each other how God has been growing you by His Word. In the past week, past month, three months, year, two years, five years, and just watch what God has been doing. In both your lives, that the intention is that our words would exalt God and exalt Him alone. And to bless one another. And that's the intention of what God has for our tongues and our words. And especially in times of trouble, uh, or in my own life where I yelled at my mom, by God's grace I was able to repent and confess my harsh words to my mom. I was able to tell her that I was selfish, confessing my sin to her, that I cared more about my comfort. And that's only through the power of the gospel. It's only through the power of a transformed heart that our lips can be pure and pleasing to Him. So church, let us trust in the promises of the gospel. Let us speak words that are pleasing to Him because you know the power of the tongue. Let's pray. <laughs> Father God, we just want to praise You and thank you for who you are and that you breathe life by the power of your word. 
And as we sing the gospel, and as we preach the gospel, and as we see the gospel today, I pray that you would remind us to use our words to be pleasing to you, to encourage one another. In Jesus' name we pray.